Hey y'all and welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Show. As always, we all have a story, we all have struggles, and the good news is we are not alone. And this week have a long uh, time family friend uh, who's got a powerful story, uh, Mr. Shannon, how are you doing? I'm good, Chad. How are you doing? I guess, should I call you Charles or Chad? I know you as Chad. You know me so. as Chad, so you can That's call me right. that. Um, I'm doing well. Just picked the parents up from the airport. Yeah. They got back from a two-week trip over in Europe and Germany. Um, they were on a Viking riverboat cruise. So, um, But yeah, So, and you got a birthday coming up Friday. Yeah, today's Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. So today's the 23rd and this will, or 24th. So this episode will come out in a few weeks. I'll be 63 when this is out. Yep. Only 62 now. So happy birthday. Happy early birthday. And happy birthday to when we uh, roll this episode out. Speaking of birthdays, your dad's birthday was what, Monday? It was Monday. Yeah. Yep. And he's four days older than I am. Four days older. (laughs) And he enjoyed that in uh, Prague. Yeah. Good, good, good. We're going out to dinner Saturday. Um, at the fig tree. So oh, fig tree is real good. Yeah. So Mr. Shannon, uh, call me Hugh is probably better. Hugh. So yeah. all right, Hugh, um, to so tell us a little about who you are and kind of, we'll jump into your story in a little bit. Well, who am I? Well, I'm, uh, 62 years old. I'm a banker. Um, lived here in Charlotte for pretty much now 38 years and been at my employer for 38 years. Married to Katie, as you know, and have, um, two boys, Stephen. Um, and then David and David's in heaven, which is the story yep. and you know, why you would have me on this show if it weren't for that, <laughs> I'm sure. So that's what we're going to talk about is David's story. And, and I guess my story as a father to, to David. So, yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Um, yeah. and a lot of, you know, last week's episodes, William Burleson, we had on who struggled with alcohol and some other issues. Um, and over the years since David's death, you've been able to go to Chapel Hill and speak yeah. about, you know, alcohol awareness and just other issues. Um, yeah. What has that been like for you? Um, well, uh, what I say, one of the things I say when I do that, and I do it at Myers Park High School, where Stephen and David went to high school, too. And David was a freshman when he died at Chapel Hill. So I'm very plugged in at the school and high school. Myers Park has been very supportive. But, you know, what I say is it's kind of like applies here. Um, you know, in one way, I'd rather be any place else than right here talking to you right now because yeah. of the subject, nothing else. Or when I'm uh, speaking at Myers Park, when I'm speaking at Chapel Hill, in a way, I'd rather be anywhere else and not have to be talking about this, not have any reason to talk about this. And another way, there's no place else I'd rather be mm-hmm. because, um, you know, one of my goals, right? When David died, it was like, how can I help young people so that, uh, you know, they won't go through, won't have happened to them what happened to David some kind of tragedy in David's case, death. Um, And so parents wouldn't have it happen to their kids. Um, You know, brothers like Stephen wouldn't go through what he's been through. Um, You know, friends. I mean, your sister, Laura Beth was one of David's best friends Mm -hmm. and you observed how it affected Laura Beth. And that's not my story and I can't speak to it. Yeah, You could, if you wanted to, if Laura Mm -hmm. Beth would let you or you'd have Laura Beth on here talk about it. But yeah, the whole idea is to try. Um, and it's, it's one of the things I talk about. I mean, it's the stereotypical, but, you know, if I being here on this show or speaking at Myers Park or speaking at Chapel Hill saves, you know, just one life, proverbial, if it saves one life, um, then it's all worth it you know, for me coming and talking. And so that, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. And that's the purpose of this show. Yeah. Um, 
Because, you know, I've had my struggles over the years from drug use, Mm -hmm. you know, even alcohol, um, just depression and trying to do life my way and not God's way. And that ended up, you know, facing prison and uh, death, life support. And um, Well, man, I'll I'll tell you, I mean, I remember because I'm trying to remember that was April of 21. Yeah, last year, April of 21. The end so of April, yeah. Katie, Steve, and I were out at dinner and got a call from your mom. And we raced down to the hospital. Um, it was in the middle of COVID, so you know, we couldn't all come visit and you were in ICU. So I stayed down in the in the visiting area and then Katie went up to be with your mom, Alex Kennedy, our pastor mm-hmm. from Carmel Baptist Church. I saw Alex and so yeah, I, I, I know that story because yeah. uh, uh, I was there. I, I remember, yeah, we were about to, about to have dessert. We had, you know, just ordered dessert and your mom called Katie and we got the waitress said, forget about dessert and we got to pay and go. And so, yeah. Well, thank you all for coming. Yeah. Um, but God has a reason I'm still here and, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm absolutely. taking that reason and purpose is yeah. to share my story exactly. as you share your yeah. story about David to mm-hmm. save one life even because one yeah. life saved is better than none. Yeah. Um, so tell us, you know, your story. Um, so it's really David's story. Correct. So I'm going to speak in, in that context. And so, you know, David uh, was 18 years old. He grew up in Charlotte, born here in Charlotte and raised here in Charlotte. And, you know, David and, and you knew David, you can chime in. Yeah. And, I mean, you knew David personally, three years younger than you. Um, your sister, Laura Beth, same age. Again, very, very close friends. I mean, Laura Beth. You know, one of David's absolute closest friends. I'm sure Laura Beth would say the same thing. Yeah. So I don't know how much, you know, you've observed and heard just from her and, and seeing David and her when, you know, everybody was together. They are very close. Yeah. But um, so, um, you know, trying to describe David, I mean, he had kind of a you know, seemingly perfect childhood. I mean, easy for me to say as his parent and got those rose colored glass and everything, but and one of the best ways to describe David was he wasn't great at anything, but he was very good at everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he wasn't uh, the smartest kid, but he was very smart and always did very, very well in school. He got into Chapel Hill got somewhere. Chapel Hill. Even Larbeth yeah. didn't get into. Yeah. Sorry to say that, Larbeth. Yeah, let's but. not talk about that. <laughs> Come on. But so, you know, he was a, a, a very bright kid. You know, he was, wasn't the best looking guy, but he was good looking. Um he uh, wasn't the best athlete. Now he wanted to be the best athlete and he, he tried hard to be the player. best athlete. Um, but he was a good football player and mm-hmm. decided to focus on that. But, uh, you know, he wasn't the best athlete, but he was good and dedicated. Uh, he wasn't the best musician, but he was very good. In fact, one story was um, he played drums. You might remember that. Vaguely, and, yeah. And um, so uh, through middle school and at the end of eighth grade, he decided he um, wanted to give up drums to focus on sports particularly football. And so his band teacher at Carmel middle school was very upset about that. She actually reached out to Katie and me and, and said, you know, David can't give up drums. He's just too good a musician. Can't give up drums. And you talk to him and, and we're like, Hey, we love him to play drums, but he's, he's got to make the decision for himself. Mm-hmm. But we did say, and David, I think the teacher was wanting, you know, David to, to talk with her so she could try and talk him out of it. And, <laughs> and, um, you know, Dave was like, dad, do I really have to? Yeah, you you know you need to talk to your teacher. You owe her that. You know you like her. She's been really good. You you need to talk to her. And li- so we did. And and um, you know she afterwards she said I, I I don't agree with it, but I understand where he's coming from. He was very mature. Is yes. the point. Um, and uh, so um, 
you know, he wasn't the most popular, but he was popular. Um, again, he was just kind of good at everything and, um, you know, uh, very successfully had a, a great life in front of him. Um, and so at age 18, he went off to Chapel Hill, um, joined a fraternity and, um, I don't think I had to tell the story. There are different ways to tell it. Uh, but, um, he wound up uh, drinking heavily. We didn't realize how much he'd been drinking when mm-hmm. he first went to Chapel Hill. We also didn't realize probably how much he was drinking when he was a senior in high school. I have good reason to think he wasn't drinking as a junior. And again, we could call up Laura Beth and see if he knows anything about that. <laughs> but yeah. after he died, I think it was we found out some things that made it clear he was drinking as a senior. And we as the parents didn't see that, didn't know mm-hmm. that. Uh, but he was drinking very, very heavily um, in Chapel Hill. And so... Um, he, there was a party uh, one weekend night in October. Actually, you know, again, the Laura Beth connection. It's hard to avoid these connections. I think you know where I'm going. Yep. But David died on Laura Beth's birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so late October, October 27th, 10 years ago, 2012, there was a, actually a sorority party. And there was a pregame, and I'm an old man, you know, to me, pregame was kind of like a tailgate party. And mm-hmm. it's probably where it came from, but the, the young people listening here certainly know uh, pre-game really means the party before the party. And I think if you're looking at high school or college in particular, where maybe the, the real party has some adult supervision. So the, the pre-game maybe becomes the real party because that's mm-hmm. where you're maybe don't have any kind of adult supervision. Yeah. So at the pre-game for this sorority party, people were getting really, really drunk. Um, and so David's date at the time, um, her roommate was really, really drunk. And, and so Emma, Told David, hey, you know, Susie, I call her. I, I don't know. I know Emma. I don't know her, who her roommate, what her real name is. So I just use Susie and not trying to make fun of anybody named Susie. Um, but um, it's like, you know, David, I need to get her back to um, the dorm. So, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we're done. I'm, I'm going home and taking Susie. And then David had, there were other young people there, of course, including some of the fellow pledge class and same kind of thing happened. They were super drunk and they were taken back to um, their dorm. And turns out David was just as drunk as they were, Mm -hmm. whether or not he just, nobody realized it because David seemed to, with emphasis on the word, seemed to hold his liquor better. Yeah. Um, Or whether he, there's a lot we don't know about what happened that night. But so bottom line is a number of people got taken home, put to bed. David didn't get taken home. And so at some point that evening, he wandered off and uh, wound up climbing up on a structure and falling to his death. And it's not real clear um, exactly what happened. We don't know if he was by himself or, or with other people. Uh, nobody's come forward um, in that regard. And I'm probably more inclined than most to think he probably was by himself. Uh, but, uh, you know, we really don't know. But uh, so, you know, from that, you know, right when David died, I remember going to Chapel Hill and meeting with the the uh, administration that at the time, Vice Chancellor Crisp, he's no longer at the university, but and saying, you know, I want to do something here. I want to do this kind of thing, talk, mm-hmm. give a give a talk, try and prevent this kind of tragedy from happening. And um, if I don't ask now, and if, I, if it's a few months from now, a year or two from now, I'll probably decide I'm not going to do it, forget about it not have the, whatever you want to call it, guts, courage to, to do it. Um, so that led to um, me being invited to speak at the orientation for all the fraternities. I wanted to speak at orientation of all the students, but that was difficult for a lot of reasons. Chapel Hill is so big that I think at that time, probably somewhere now, there are something like 15 or 20 different orientation Tation groups. So Yeah, orientation groups that go through. So 
could I go 15 times? That wouldn't work. It's three hours or so away by driving time. So doing it with the fraternities, which was a smaller group, worked. And so I did that, had specific things I picked out from the lessons, I think from, you know, what happened to David. Um, and then uh, that led to the sororities inviting me to come speak at sorority orientation. And again, you know, one of the things I try and emphasize I have already here is, you know, it was a sorority party. People who don't know David's story or know a little bit about it, you know, assume oh, it probably related to fraternities and guys and all that. And it, it didn't, it wasn't hundred percent guys. It was a sorority party. It was boys and girls. And uh, so the same kind of things, same kind of stupid things boys do when they're drunk or getting mm-hmm. drunk, uh, girls do too. So, yeah. so I've spoken over the years. I mean, at, at different times it's changed, you know, and the pandemic has certainly kind of changed things. So hopefully I'll be invited back this year, but uh, don't know for certain. And that also led to me speaking at Myers Park. And so I've spoken, um, and the way it's kind of evolved has become the um, speaking to uh, the seniors typically, although, again, that changed, especially with the pandemic. Um, used to be around prom time, but unfortunately, that's around the time of AP exams and all that. And so even though the prom time was a good time uh, from a standpoint of the school calendar, yeah, decision was made, which I've fully understand and endorse that there was, it was just too much stress on seniors in the midst of AP exams and all that. So got moved into October last year. They tried to do it last school year. So roughly a year ago. Um, and it was hard with still COVID stuff. So I ended up speaking at halftime of a football game, which was interesting. Um, and I was expecting everybody wandering off and nobody to be paying attention. And I have to say, and also I've got a talk that's usually about 20 minutes is my talk. And I had about three minutes. I probably took five minutes, <laughs> but it was amazing because uh, there were some mic issues, but I mean, the, the stands, which were the students, the parents, you know, they, I mean, everybody seemed to stay in the stands for my talk and in rapt attention, which I was very impressed with. Wow. And so I think that means I'll be back at Myers Park this year. We'll see. Of course, they're just getting ready to start up school here in, mm-hmm. in, in Charlotte. Uh, school starts next week. So once this airs, school will have just started for or so. Yeah. So that's a quick run through, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember when that happened. Yeah. Um, I guess you were at Gardner-Webb then or App? I was at App. Okay. I was my... Uh, senior year so i stayed yeah. an extra so semester yeah yeah exactly um, yep. and i was actually at camp harrison working oh, a okay. weekend camp right. and um woke up to several missed calls texts and remember i got a long text was the first one i read from my mom um mm-hmm. what had happened and just the dangers of drinking and um yeah. everything and i kind of just lost it because um, yeah. him and Larbeth were best friends and mm-hmm. always together. So yeah. I knew him very well, just yeah. growing up, going to the beach together with mm-hmm. y'all. Yeah. Um, and then him just being always around. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a day I'll never forget. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I'm sure as a parent, you will never forget that. And no, it'll no. never no. be easy, um, yeah. you know, living without outliving your son. But um, you have to. And it's how, how do you do that? You know? Um, well, I mean, one thing I'll say is that a lot of things happen in the immediate aftermath of his death. Um, and, and since then as well, um, I just felt like God reached out to me and said, you don't understand this. It sucks. It's horrible. Um, but it's going to be all right. And, um, you know, without that, I don't know where I'd be quite frankly, I might be in a deep, dark hole, deep, dark depression, uh, I think it's quite possible, quite likely, but, um, with that number one, um, and then family. So, uh, 
you know, Katie and our marriage, uh, you know, Clay Barnes, you know, Clay mm-hmm. used to be head of counseling at our church. And I'll go back to that in a minute, but, um, and I'll, I'll quote a few things Clay said, uh, in the course of this conversation. Um, but one thing Clay said was that, you know, parents who lose a child, 50% of those marriages end in divorce. And that really resonated uh, with Katie and me and, um, now, one thing is, I think about 50% of marriages end in divorce anyway, so maybe mm-hmm. it's no different. But regardless, um, you know, we were just determined to support each other. So I've worked really hard to support Katie. She's worked hard to support me, you know, support Stephen, Stephen supporting us. And so the family, uh, and another big piece, you know, again, you grew up in at Carmel Baptist. And, um, you know, the church has just been fantastic and very, very supportive. I mean, all of our friends at church and just all the things that they've done, you know, one thing. You know, we have the pig picking. Yeah, it's um, coming up. Yeah, yeah. So that was one thing we decided to do um, for a couple reasons. Um, try to hit them real quick and not bore people to tears. But one thing was David and I did a mission trip to Cuba, and we had this picture where we had a Cuban pig picking of a whole mm-hmm. pig. And so I had this picture of David and the pig. and His you know, arms was are like, out. Yeah, well, that's a different one. Oh, that's, that's a different picture. Another one where he goes up on top of a, a mountain outside of Santiago, Cuba, where we, Santiago de Cuba, where we would go. And yeah, he did the arms outstretched like across. Um, but yeah, this was um, just at, at, at a, basically a farewell dinner. And so the pig picking made sense. And David died in October of his freshman year. And so, you know, his friends were mostly freshman students at different schools, Chapel Hill, but, you know, South Carolina and up and, you know, wherever, all over. And so that Christmas, um, there was a little gathering at our house for Christmas and David's friends came and it was just like, this is really cool having David's friends around and seeing them. And so, um, yeah, we thought, you know what we ought to do? We, we ought to have a, a pig picking in the summer when the kids are back, most of them uh, from school. This is again, 10 years ago when these kids were freshmen and just invite everybody, our friends, David's friends. It's an open invitation and, and have a pig pick. And then a good friend, Mark Caro from church, likes to cook pig. And he is out of the kindness of his heart, cooked pig for the last 10 years for us and just been a, a tremendous friend. And I don't want to name too many names because I'd have to name so many names. <laughs> um, but, you know, so we, for example, did the pig picking with an open invitation for people to come. And um, But the support, and, and it's a, a way for us to try and, you know, give back and thank people for the support they've given to us um, because the support of, of the church. And again, the pig pickings, mainly our friends from church doing that, um, you know, it, it, you know, without that, again, I don't know where we'd be. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you also have um, the 5k run every yeah. year. That's been a big turnout and support. Yeah. I mean, there's a backstory to all this stuff. And again, I don't want to bore everybody to tears, <laughs> but I, I think it shows how impactful David was in just the 18 years of his life that so many people wanted to do so many things. We wanted to set up a scholarship. We did at Myers park, but then some friends wanted to set one up at Chapel Hill and some people want to set one up at church. And so there are these different scholarships, not a lot of money in them, but enough to make something of a difference for, you know, the winners, which we're very appreciative of. And then, yeah, the five K um, now you think about just grief and it, it, so I will tell the backstory on that. So David graduated and so there was a young man who was a year behind David and his father, and they were members of our church too, but they were at Myers Park. He was at Myers Park and his father died on prom night, his prom night, his junior mm-hmm. year, junior prom. And so there was an organization in Charlotte called Kindermorn mm-hmm. and they help parents who are grieving at the loss of a kid. 
and um, they also help children grieving loss. And so Will Kester, Coster wanted to um, do a project and raise money for Kindermorn. Came up with this 5K, and then the 5K turned out to be shortly after David died. And so it kind of moved into um, David as well as Kindermorn, David as well as Mr. Coster. And so, um, and then it's just continued on. For mm. 10 years since then, including even through the pandemic, was done virtually. And yeah. it raises money for the scholarship. Um, the Myers Park softball team most recently has been the one who's uh, been keeping it going. And we'll see the, the faculty sponsors move to a new role at the new high school Palisades. So, you know, we'll see if it keeps going or not. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there are a lot of things out there. You know, when I think about um, David and all the stories I heard, um, you know, his impact in general, his impact at Chapel Hill. Again, he was only there two months. And um, like the, there was a memorial service for David at Chapel Hill. For those who know, Chapel Hill was in the student union. And in a room, I've since done my talk in that room, but it seats, I don't know, a thousand people, maybe, maybe more. And apparently that thing was overflowing that night. Mm. And a lot of the stories heard Stephen was able to go to it. I stayed down here with Katie because it was in the week after his death. Just the stories we heard and just the fact that it was overflowing by over a thousand. It's like I have a hard time getting a thousand people to yeah. worry about me when I'm gone. So uh, Yeah. That's that speaks volumes on who David was. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um what was the most difficult part for you as a parent losing, you know, um, David and the struggle? the aftermath well i mean it, it's just i mean it, it was all difficult yeah because I mean, we all <laughs> i think and... about um well one thing is you know that grandparents die before parents for kids for grandkids yeah. and so when you get out of that natural order it just makes it devastating in itself and so start katie's parents my in-laws um uh you know losing one of their two grandchildren mm-hmm. um now they have one grandchild was just devastating and watching how it affected them. Um, Katie said she thinks her mom didn't want to talk about David because she was afraid she'd upset Katie. And, you know, I'll come back to that, but I think that was really an issue. But, and then my father, he was starting to have dementia, Alzheimer's, um, but he still had some of his mental faculties at that point. And yeah, I can remember talking with him and trying to make sure he understood what happened to David. And he did. Um, but watching it happen to the grandparents, what happened to Stephen, you know, Stephen was very, very close with David. Yeah, uh, losing your best friend, your brother, and they're just two. They grew up together, you know, them versus mom and dad, and yeah. you know, and then David was gone. Um, you know, just the life that was lost. I mean, you know, David was on a path to do. I, I can't say great things, but good things, and certainly have a good life. You know, and so, you know, one thing I like to think about, talk about, was David really wanted to have a superlative, you know, best whatever mm-hmm. in high school in the Myers Park yearbook and so he wound up getting best future husband which i'm I'm very proud of that he got that um which again was like elective of his character i mean right. for those who don't know myers park it's this huge high school back then probably had three thousand kids now it's got four thousand kids it's bursting at the seams and it really can't go on but so i mean i was in a high school class about a hundred if that I think mine was 40 or 50 yeah yeah I didn't so, get that <laughs> getting that superlative you know i think reflects what he was like and he's not going to be a husband we're not yeah. going to have grandkids with any grandkids now. And we actually don't know if we ever will. We hope so. But, um, you know, Dave is not going to have any kids, you know, so we're not going to have a daughter-in-law. We're not going to have grandkids from Dave. And, you know, that's all the above. Yeah. And, and again, one of the things talking about devastation, I mentioned before about Clay Barnes, he, one thing he said, which again, really resonated, probably the most resonating thing I heard was um, Clay describing what it was like to lose a child. You've got a hole in your heart. This is in the week after David's death. It's 
right now you're you know here you've got this hole in your heart and it's all jagged and torn um, that's just the way it is over time those jagged edges will soften and smooth out but you always have a hole in your heart mm-hmm. and i think you know again i, I don't have any uh, any better way to describe it, or at least how it's worked for us now i imagine there's some people that it remains jagged and torn and and you know they're devastated and again if things had played out differently that could easily be me yeah uh, in a way i feel lucky that again I, I feel like god reached out and so um, gave me hope that i might not otherwise had so. yeah and you t- talked about the support just from the community and yeah um with my struggles i've seen the community yeah. you know they're out poor for my parents when mm-hmm. um you know i was in the hospital and have been in rehabs and different stuff yeah. um you know they've formed prayer groups one night yeah. and um I think that makes a big difference when you're going through a life-changing traumatic yeah. event just having people alongside of you yeah. um in that community and especially mm-hmm. you know having God at the center yeah. of your marriage and y'all's yeah. family mm-hmm. plays a big part in yeah, um, the healing same with your parents correct yeah, absolutely um so when you go and talk to the kids at Chapel Hill and the fraternities what is your main kind of topic yeah. that you talk about well, what I, I I try and think about things from a very practical point of view, and so, um, you know, one of the things is I mentioned about those kids who were really drunk and they got taken back to their dorm, and of course it applies in other contexts, but particularly in in a college context, um, that's the absolute right thing to do. So I don't want to imply there was anything wrong with that because there wasn't. It was the absolute right thing to do, and that's what I talk about. Is it's the the sad thing is there was nobody doing that for whatever reason. I don't know the reason. And I'm not here trying to judge or say that, but so one thing I talk about is a buddy system, uh, making sure that uh, you know you've got a buddy who's looking out for you and and you're looking out for them. Excuse me. Um, you know, very similar to the concept of, and and another part of the concept is um, uh, 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 a designated driver. You know, the mm-hmm. importance of that. Absolutely. I mean, it's one thing. I drink. I, I I get some solace from the fact that David um didn't have a drunk driving accident. That's not what killed him. Right. And also that he didn't kill anybody else doing something like that. And you know there are stories you know here in Charlotte of young men who have gotten really drunk and been out driving the wrong way on the interstate and crashing and killing people. Um, Chapel Hill similar situation that happened. Um, and so, um, and that's another thing I talk about. And again, it's more in a college setting and maybe a high school setting too, but in college, David didn't have a car. And, um, so I, I'm, I've got to think that part of what David, I'd love, love to know what Dave was thinking that night, mm-hmm. but I imagine part of what Dave was thinking was it doesn't matter how drunk I am because I don't have keys. I can't drive. And the only bad thing that happens when you drink too much is drunk driving. Correct. So you can drink all you want as long as you're not driving. It's cool. The last thing you think about is and, alcohol poisoning yeah. or and, yeah, alcohol something. poisoning or some stupid accident Correct. or you know stumbling into the street and getting, getting run over. Correct. Um, you know there are all those stories that happen. But that's the last um, thing you're thinking about yeah. as a drunk person. Yeah. You just think well, even before you drink, it's Correct. like again, nothing bad can happen as long as I'm not driving. And David is exhibit A for oh yes, there are, and so make sure people understand that. You know, and it also reminds me one of the things that was interesting, and I, I learned some information I didn't know. So there's a um, dean of students at Chapel Hill, Dean Dean. Dean's his first name. I'm trying to remember his last name. And I've been, my talk's 20 minutes and I'll get paired with other people because mm-hmm. my talk's really not necessarily something to listen to on itself. You know, only get 20 minutes. You want a good hour. So, <laughs> um, But Dean Dean at times has been paired with me. And so he would talk about, um, you know, understanding, for example, solo cups. 
And, you know, when you're in high school, when you're in college, when you're a young adult, a lot of drinking out of solo. Mm-hmm. And so when we don't have a, so I don't know if you have a solo cup here, didn't think about it till just now, but <laughs> you know, there are markings there and basically down at the bottom of mm-hmm. solo cups, a mark that's basically an ounce of, of liquor. Yep. And how many drinks get poured at parties for young people where they're way past that ounce of liquor? Oh, it's, yeah. I'd say 50%. Yeah. Well, when I yeah. was in college, 50 yeah. cent to 75%, yeah. it was a lot, I, yeah. a lot of heavy drinking. And so, you know, for people to really understand those things and hopefully think about it ahead of time, you know, another thing is, you know, just, you don't have to get trashed. You can drink. And part of my talks are to high school and college students. I got to be careful what I say, especially in a high school setting, but in a college mm-hmm. setting, People aren't old enough to drink, but um, even if you choose to drink, you don't have to get trashed. Correct. You, know, you can nurse, you know, one one drink. Make sure you're getting just that one ounce of liquor instead of five or six ounces mm-hmm. of liquor in a solo cup with you know, one drink. That's really five or six drinks. Correct. Um, so um, trying to make sure people understand and think about, you know, do they want to, um, you know, get trashed? I mean, I wonder how many kids going out they don't intend to get drunk it's just the way you know the peer pressure and Mm -hmm. you know picking up a drink a solo cup that's already been poured whatever and it just they just kind of stumble into it yeah stumble out of it so to speak and so trying to get people to think both for themselves as an individual what do i want to do tonight and what am i going to do to make sure i don't go beyond the lines i want to lay out and you know thinking as a group and as friends you know how are we gonna uh, you know support each other and and keep each other out of trouble i don't know i mean you know, think about your story and, you know, you're getting into drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I hope this resonates with you. I mean, I yeah. don't know, hearing, a, hearing something like this before you, when you were in high school, you know, you think that might've made a difference in some of the paths you've taken or, um, I think it would have, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I drank some senior year and yeah. then went to Gardner Webb. So it was a small Christian yeah. college, um, dry County, dry campus. So, uh, we would drink in the dorm room mm-hmm. and um, it was hard to get alcohol there. Yeah. Um, and so one reason I transferred to app, yeah. you know, I wanted to get out of that small school environment. I wanted to be at an actual school. Yeah. Um, so when I went to app, um, was wanting to maybe play basketball, but, you know, decided to go the fraternity route instead mm-hmm. and um, met a lot of good friends. But, you know, partying was big. Um, there and I'd say a lot of times, you know, we're going to go get drunk tonight. So there was already the intent to go get drunk. Um, you know, there, if I had a class early the next morning or a test, you know, we might go out and get a few drinks and have Mm. dinner. There's no intent to get drunk, but on the weekends or game days, it was, let's just get shit face. We'll say, um, and you know, blackout and Mm. it's very dangerous. And a lot of times, you know, things happened um even after college when i was in yeah. my depression and in my struggles yeah. with drugs and um drinking um you know i'd end up at the hospital i've said it many times on the show a random night yeah. and i'd go out and the intent wasn't to get drunk but yeah. i would just get drunk and a lot of that might have been drug induced and just mm-hmm. kept drinking yeah. but um and i've you know heard some stories in high school and college And, um, they resonated with me, but I think a big thing for me was trauma and I never talked about that. And so a place, I went to a place of numbing and using substance Mm -hmm. and whatnot to numb my feelings. Um, and so that's the reason I like to share my story and talk about it. Um, because I never thought that would be me. 
Yeah. And two things I said would never happen to me happened to me. Yeah. And I'm sure if David were here and you asked him, would that happen to you? He would say no. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Um, a lot of people you ask them, whatever happens to them traumatic, they probably would say no. Yeah. Um, Cause you're not thinking before you go out what, you know, it could lead to. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's huge importance nowadays. Yeah. Um, and one thing too, I like to talk about is, I don't know, Stephen has come with me sometimes when I've given my talk and Stephen's also talked, by the way, I did talk once at app because some of David's friends were still at app mm-hmm. and knew what I was doing at Chapel Hill and Myers Park. And so they had me come up, talked to a big group there. Um, as a matter of fact, but um, is, you know, it, it's also, you know, we're talking about alcohol uh, and, and of course alcohol is a drug, but you know, there are other drugs and you know, one thing you know, I'd like to emphasize in my talks, you know, is it's not just alcohol. You know, there's one story uh, It was almost, well, about a year after David died, somebody his age. So this young lady was now 19 and she went to UVA where I went. He was at UNC and my wife Katie went to UNC. Um, but she was at UVA and she was a uh, Jefferson scholar, which is the equivalent for, you know, people know Carolina, the Moorhead Kane scholar. Mm-hmm. In fact, I like to talk about it. It was shamelessly stolen from, I think, Kane scholarships. <laughs> Um, so a, a, a super bright young woman and, um, she went to, uh, a rave dance Labor Day weekend, um, in the DC area, UVA's in Charlottesville. So a couple hours from DC and, um, she wound up taking some Molly asked me more than 10 years ago what Molly was. And I'd say it's a girl's name <laughs> and, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about, of course. And mm-hmm. anybody who's young and listen to this knows what I'm talking about, but so a drug form of ecstasy or street name for ecstasy and um she had a bad reaction she died um, mm. there on the dance floor in in dc 19 years old a, a jefferson scholar again the, you know a great life in front of her and um so you know it, it shows the danger so you know obviously people already well I, i'm trying to you know alcoholism is a real thing mm-hmm. and and drug addiction is a real thing uh and, and some people it's going to be really hard for them avoid it but other people you know I, I with david you know was he an alcoholic would he become an alcoholic i don't know uh, you don't need to be an alcoholic to get too drunk one night Correct. especially if you're a young kid and um but it's sad that's the yeah. theme in colleges yeah it seems yeah. early Everything's when party. i was there Where are the cool. party schools and uva mm-hmm. was at, pretty much every school all the students at his school pride themselves that they're at a big party school Correct. they want to be known as oh our, our school is a big party school yeah. carolina i'm sure uva you know app Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of schools and it's sad and it's yeah. um and last week's episode william you know we talk about the dangers of drinking and um just other stuff from gambling to drugs yeah. Yeah. um mm-hmm. but you know having that and he's coming from a high school perspective yeah. but just having that relationship and trust with your parents if you do drink um mm-hmm. you know let them know that you know if you need a ride home or something yeah. and not hide it from them um because the worst thing can be drinking and driving. Yeah. Um, and anything can happen when you drink too much, but driving yeah. is, you know, it just happens way too much. Um, yeah. But yeah, and it's tough. Because um, when I was in high school, I mean, we drank a lot, but it was, you know, I don't think it was too much out mm-hmm. of the norm. I yeah. mean, you had the people who would drink a lot, but there was people who could nurse it and be fine. Um, but then when yeah. I got to college and fraternities, you still have people who, we're fine, but yeah. then you had the others just 
wanted to let go. I think your dad's one. I think back back in the day, he said he was joining fraternity, but he wasn't going to drink. I, I think yeah. I remember that story right. And also, yeah. there's a friend. Um, it's actually a boyfriend of a friend of ours, young lady, and and he was a you know top scholar, had a big scholarship at his school, uh, and um, you know he basically went to the fraternities or a fraternity and said, you know, you want my GPA, and I want to be in a fraternity, but I'm not going to be drinking. So if you agree to let me not drink, I'll you know, join your fraternity and you're going to get a great GPA, which is going to help you guys stay out of trouble. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can do things like that. Of course, helps if you have that great GPA and scholarship and all. Yeah. And I didn't have a good GPA, so <laughs> <laughs> I was there for departing. Yeah, um, yeah. That's one thing I wish I would have taken more seriously is schooling. Yeah. Um, but can't do that now. It's, you know, in the past. Well, in some um, ways, never too late. Correct. And never Steve too late. Went back and got a master's degree. So. And I'm trying to figure out what my career, what yeah. I want to do and the purpose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I've thought about going back to school. Yeah. Um, By the way, I'm just looking at your T-shirt there, and we hadn't talked about that yet. Have we talked about right. it before we started? So, Chad's wearing a DS34 T-shirt. So, it's got a Myers Park Mustang, but it's mm-hmm. uh, in Carolina blue. Yeah. DS 34 DS for David Shannon 34. It's kind of a funny story. Mm-hmm. I'm going off on a tangent now. It's I'm called the rabbit hole. Show, there you so. go. Going down the rabbit hole. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And so it, it's kind of funny for those who, who, you know, know their high school football. David had five numbers <laughs> in high school football for his career. Cause his freshman year, he, in the first day of tackling drills, getting tackled, he wound up tearing his ACL. So he was out his freshman year. So they gave him number 32 um, just as a jersey. So he'd have a jersey, but he couldn't play. Um, and then his um, sophomore year, he's playing JV. He's tied in. He's number 87. Actually got called up to play varsity at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And But in the game, the JV game he played before the varsity game, he got a shoulder sting. He was injured. So he, he couldn't play. But so he had those two numbers, 32 and 87. And then his junior year, he um, started out uh, as a defensive. He was the nose tackle, which is kind of weird because <laughs> he weighed about 220. Mm-hmm. And I remember they were playing Hopewell, and the the uh, center for Hopewell was like 280. I mean, Dave <laughs> was giving up 60 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and UVA, I mean, UVA, uh, Mars Park won that game, barely, but we won it. A win's a win. <laughs> um, but, you know, so he was number 92 playing nose tackle, defensive tackle, and really nose tackle. Um, but about halfway through the season, the coach decided David really wasn't getting it done, the D-line coach. And so the offensive line coach was looking for somebody, and so they did a swap. And so David switched over to offensive tackle, became right tackle, and he was actually the backup. There was a kid, and I worked with his mom, who was a year older, um, and he was playing, but he had an injury, so he could really only play about half the game. So he and David kind of played off each other. And so David couldn't wear 92. 92 is an eligible number. You know, those who know football mm-hmm. and numbers and all know, know what I'm talking about. We had to switch from 92 to an ineligible number, a number a lineman can wear, so 56. So that's four numbers in three yeah. years. And yeah. then uh, his uh, senior year, uh, he was tight end again on the varsity. And uh, so he got to wear number 34. So that's where the 34 came from. And bottom line is, again, David died in the fall after he graduated from high school. And in the things that Myers Park was doing, um, some people were doing stuff with 34. And like we got a, a T-shirt that gives his old practice T-shirt with 34. And we just really liked that. It resonated with us. So we mm-hmm. said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go with 34. And so now whenever we see 34, 
um, you know, we get excited and sometimes it's kind of interesting and fun and it seems like a God thing. Other times it's like, well, yeah, you're going to find number 34 around <laughs> periodically. Uh, uh, but yeah, we were just up in Nantucket, Katie and I, uh, and, um, walking around this, this old, I don't know if everybody knows Nantucket Island, uh, Massachusetts and old houses and the like. And so all the house numbers are really low numbers. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing all these 34. So Katie took pictures, all the 34 oh, mailboxes <laughs> and posted it on Instagram. So yeah, when we see 34, some it's special, we number. tend to get excited. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so love your t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> I love it. And I got a sweatshirt and some other stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, what is one thing that you would say to parents who have lost uh, a child that really helped you yeah. get through? Well, I, I'm glad you raised that because a couple things, because it's one thing I didn't mention. Um, but, uh, you know, one thing before talking about the hole in the heart, mm-hmm. jagged edge that smooths over time, we found that to be true for ourselves. I think most do, but not everybody. It, it can help. But, you know, one thing that for me was, was just huge is I had a coworker who I knew, and um, actually the night before David died, another coworker said, hey, did you hear about Ivan? Is his name? Did you hear about Ivan's son? That Ivan lost his son? And like, oh, damn, sorry. I got to reach out to him. Didn't think much about it. It was late on a Friday, Friday, October 26th. And um, so then David died. And um, Ivan actually came over with his family. We were actually up meeting with the, uh, the undertaker. Mm-hmm. So we didn't see Ivan and his family, his wife, two kids. And um, his son had died three weeks before David. And so we started getting together. And um, I remember at the time thinking, okay, you know, he's light years ahead of me in this journey. He had three weeks head start on me. So he's light years ahead of me in this journey. Mm-hmm. And then we we're getting together <clears throat> weekly for coffee back then. And uh, about six months in, I had this revelation that, you know, I was thinking he was so far ahead of me. I was, we're in the exact same place. He had a three three week head start, which on day one is huge, mm-hmm. but month six, it's nothing. And we Correct. were in the same place, but it was the being there with somebody who's going through the exact same stuff I was going through. And then, um, also had a young woman I'd worked with and she was in a different department and she emailed me after she heard about David and about how her brother had just died. And mm-hmm. she was at that point, how old is Aaron? It was Aaron, um, in her twenties. I think pretty sure had to be. And, um, yeah, 10 years ago in her late twenties. And, um, I saw that I was like, God, that's so horrible. And, and then I kind of forgot about it. And then a, a few days later I was like, did, did I read that right? That email from Aaron where she said she lost her brother, went back, found it. And sure enough. Yeah. So I reached out to her. So we started getting together. And so Aaron, Ivan, and I would get together or I'd get to go with Aaron. I get to go with Ivan. Um, actually Ivan's daughter wound up living for a while with Aaron but having those two people in particular was just so wonderful. And I, I think, hope I was a big help to them. And I know they were just an amazing help to me. And again, think about where I would be. So the answer to your question is to find that support. And again, the church was support, counseling was support, family was support. But another thing was people going through the same thing at the same time. And mm-hmm. so uh, Ivan had been told by a friend of his who'd been through it that it was the shitty club club nobody wants to be in and that really resonated and so we were the shitty club and we reached out to others when we heard about people dying that is parents losing their children and so we we got a little group together and and over time again those hearts softened and uh kind of moved forward don't like use the term moved on which implies forgetting but moved forward pandemic happened so the shitty club doesn't get together like it used to but um you know it's it's really 
what I would really encourage, at least what I found for me was people going through the same thing at the same time, you know, with people who just, you know, they know what you're going through and mm-hmm. you know what they're going through. And that's, that's not BS. It's a real thing. It's, you know, you just lost your kid or you just lost your spouse. You know, there's a grief share, which Katie went through that's done through the church. I think it's part of a kind of a national program. And, um, you know, it's often, I think that's when you lose a spouse. And um, although it's not just for that, but I think that's a, a lot of what it ends up being. And so it was kind of the same thing for Katie, but it was in that context of an official thing, grief share versus me. It was the ad hoc shitty club. Mm, yeah. That's, it's not a club you want to be a part of, yeah, but absolutely it's not. good to have people alongside you. And, and it's 834 now as we're talking. 834. So Casey <laughs> just noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good number. It's a good um, number. Yeah. So a question that I have, and um, when you found out that David had passed um, and just moving forward, because everyone grieves differently, um, you, uh, Katie and Steven, what was that like? I mean, just in those first few moments of finding out, like how were y'all there for each other? I mean, because everyone grieves differently and reacts differently. Well, I mean, you know, that's part of, I mean, if you're talking about really in the immediacy, um, you know, Steven was at school. He was a senior at Elon. That's right. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the bottom line is, so part of, I didn't tell all the story. And again, there's a lot that's not known about what happened to David, but mm-hmm. bottom line is he died over a Friday night, Saturday morning. So he technically died on October 27th, but early in the morning. Um, so he really died Friday night. and he'd been off maybe by himself, probably by himself. So David was missing. Um, but we didn't know that. And, um, so Katie and I went to bed that Saturday night. Um, and as far as we knew, he was live. We had no reason to think otherwise. And middle of the night, we get a phone call, and it's Stephen because what had happened was David was missing for 24 hours, and so kids at Chapel Hill knew David was missing. They're trying to figure out where's David, trying to track him down. And um, so Stephen finally heard some of this. There's a lot of social media chatter. I mean, this was 10 years ago before Instagram. Instagram probably existed, but it was probably teeny tiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook, you know, was back then. The thing. Instagram yep. or others would be now. Twitter, I guess, was around, but. So there's this chatter, and so Stephen said he heard David was missing, and what's going on? What do we know? Katie and I, it's like 1.30 in the morning, we waking up trying to figure out what's going on, and being told by one son that our other son is missing, and I start calling around into Chapel Hill, and that's about the time David was found. And um, so Stephen was up there. He went with his friend Sam Lee, Sam, mm-hmm. and you know, Sam just lost his brother to suicide. Yeah. Half ago, I believe. Um, but that was before that, obviously. Uh, and so they went to Chapel Hill, um, and Katie and I were here, and you know we called friends, and your parents were in our living room at two, three in the morning, and Clay Barnes was there, and you know other friends of ours. I don't want to mention all names. Littles, the joiners, I'm not, it was a horrible thing for me, and Katie obviously. So yeah, you know, getting some people, and I apologize for those who I've forgotten. But um, again, that support, but it, it was just it was just devastating. Now that night, um, some things happened again that. I felt like it was God telling me it's going to be all right. And so I went from being just absolutely devastated to, you know, being a little better. Uh, but even then I can remember like uh, we had just, our house was filled for a week with, you know, David's friends, Stephen's friends, our friends is kind of overflowing. And I remember at one point during that week and, and um, I was talking with Stephen and some other people. And then I just started kind of dry crying and had dry heaves and I, I just mm-hmm. couldn't control my body. And uh, yeah. you know, I was just so, so, um, you know, disconsolate so sad you know trying to think of the right word for it you know in the depths of despair um so i mean it's just like you get you know sent down into a hell and you're just 
slowly, slowly coming out of it. At least you hope so. Yeah. But yeah, Katie and I, we, you know, we held on to each other. Steven, Steven did go back to school. We didn't pressure him to go back to school. We didn't know if he wanted to go back and finish his senior year, or at least his first semester of senior year or stay home. Um, he stayed home for an extra week. Um, but, uh, and he said later, you know, it's like, yeah, he, he certainly thought about not going back to school, but then he thought, you know, hell, I'm going to be sitting around with mom and dad in the house. And yeah. I, that wasn't that appealing for understandable reasons. So he did go back and, and did finish his schooling, but it was really supporting each other. You know, you find the things that, that bring you comfort. One thing for Katie and me was watching Big Bang. That mm-hmm. was 10 years ago. I think the show was in the process of finishing up, but you know, we were watching the reruns of it, which were already out there. And it, you know, just that, that one little thing was something we could do that, uh, you know, helped us a lot too. Had all different things that helped a little bit or a lot. Yeah. You have to find that to get yeah. through the yeah. difficult times. Yeah. And it's one day at a time. Um, yeah. as you said, you one slowly get out of that hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it won't happen overnight. No, it no, takes time not. and, and that hole will always be there, but it, it yeah. smooths out. Yeah. Um, so before we end a question, I like to ask, uh, every guest that comes on, uh, just what advice do you have for our listeners, um, any age, um, yeah. whether it pertains to drinking or whatever, but just what advice do you have that you've received or have gained over the years that our listeners yeah. might be able to take away? Well, I've talked about the things in the specific context of our talk and David's story and my story as a father. Um, but, you know, I, I think yeah, that we need to love and support each other. I mean, you know, there's there's Christ's love. There's um you know, the love of the community and the church, but, you know, we just need to do what we can to support each other. You never know what's, what people are going through. And so, I mean, I'm a very impatient person and I can get kind of keyed up when I'm having to wait in line and things like that. And so trying to remind myself to not get worked up and you might see somebody and they're in a bad mood and you, you just don't know what they've been through. So, you know, trying to be a loving, understanding, supporting, which can be difficult. Um, some people, they make me make it really difficult. Um, I guess you might say, you know, when at times in your life, you know, you've been going through your struggle, you know, people tried to help you, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And you weren't, you weren't. I didn't uh, want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and so it, it's trying to be as understanding and supportive as possible, you know? Um, yeah. You know, and, love. yeah. And, um, with that, um, for me, I didn't want to hear what people had to say because yeah. I thought I had my life together yeah. when yeah. obviously I did not. Um, I was running it to the ground. And as my mom said, um, it was like watching a train wreck, just waiting for the yeah. train to wreck. Yeah. Um, and you don't know, like you said, what everyone's going through. You have yeah. to be patient because we all have struggles. Yeah. Um, but for someone who's going through struggles with addiction or whatever, um, and people are trying to pour into you. And for those who have loved ones, uh, yeah. the person who's having that struggle, they have to want it and accept it. Um, or won't yeah. work per se. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if somebody's that. not ready to hear the news, or hear, hear the, you know, the, the advice, uh, there's not a lot you can do. It's try and be there and hopefully be there at the point when they're ready. Like right. you're, you know, you became ready. Yeah. And, and I, doing all things you're doing came yeah. ready. I mean, unfortunately it was after life support, yeah. but, mm-hmm. um, well, life support, but, but good story. it's, yeah, it's a good start good term. And, and uh, yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. a lot of people that I've met along my way have, ended up on life support and then go right back out to their habit. And yeah. it, it breaks my heart because, yeah. um, it's a wake up call. Yeah. Um, well, thank you yeah. for coming on and sharing 
uh, your story as a father and David's yeah. story. It's a sad story. I wish we weren't here having to yeah. talk about it, but thank you because it does bring awareness. Um, well, again, hopefully, you know, between your story and my story, there's going to be at least one person out there who, you know, I, I like to tell the story um, in, in my talk when I do it that, you know, so one day I'm going to pass. And so I hope to be up at the pearly gates, St. Peter. And uh, he's going to say that, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. I hope I hear that. And, you know, there's there's one person who's not here yet. And the important word there is yet mm-hmm. uh, because of, you know, my talk, whether it's my talk at Chapel Hill or Myers Park or, or this podcast. You know, hopefully there's at least one person when I get there who won't, won't be there yet. Yeah. So, and that's yeah. that's the hopes for, you know, yeah. me as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't want someone to have to go through the struggles and the dark valleys that I went yeah. through to figure out. There's a lot more to life than yeah. how I was living. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you again. Yeah. It's been an honor to share this time thank with you. Thank you, Charles. Yes. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And thank you all for tuning in this week to the Rabbit Hole Show. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or if you want to come on the show, uh, we have some availability in September uh, for anyone who wants to come on and share their story. Uh, shoot us an email, the Rabbit Hole Show. 21 at gmail.com thank you all again go subscribe on whatever platform you listen to and share the podcast with any friends family members because we all have a story we all have struggles and the good news is we're not alone thank y'all stay tuned for next week's episode